everyone, and welcome to the EHS This Week podcast for the week ending October 16th, 2015. My name is Alison Granke. And I'm Danielle DiGiovanni. And we're here to give you an update on what's been going on in the environmental health and safety space. So this week, we thought we'd do something a little different and share some of the insights from a conference very near and dear to our hearts, Ignite Performance 2015, also known as Intellex's annual user conference. The conference brought over 300 EHS and quality professionals to Toronto, Canada last week for three days of presentations, conversations, training, and networking. And so what we wanted to do today was share some of the great insights that we heard during that time. So Danielle, do you want to start us off? Yeah, something that sort of came up over and over throughout the conference and different conversations and presentations that I sat in on was the idea of cultural buy-in and getting that buy-in within your organization for a safety culture. It can be incredibly challenging to get that from your employees, and the tools don't make a safety culture, the people do, and you need to focus on the culture first, and the adoption of the tools will sort of follow that. So some key challenges came up throughout the conference from different individuals and in presentations and whatnot, as I said, were cultures, languages, user experience, and objectives. So there's an interesting article I came across recently that actually just happens to outline six elements of true safety culture, and a lot of these solutions and these elements came up in conversations and follow-up conversations at the conference when talking to some of the individuals. So I'm kind of going to go through them, and maybe we can discuss them as we go through. But awesome. the uh, the first one was commitment and buy-in at all levels. So this is kind of referring to the fact that culture comes in various contexts, and one of those contexts is the hierarchy-based cultures. So buy-in needs to happen at every level in an organization, not just the managers or the mm-hmm. executives, but all the way down the funnel. Yeah, for sure. I think, too, that's sometimes what you see when you've got a bunch of different locations or different plants or whatever, different managers, and you see a variety um, sort of different performances across those you know there are some plants who are going to get really behind the objectives and really behind the program and then there are others who you know that's not their primary objective they don't buy into it the same way absolutely and unless you have that cohesion across the organization you're going to have some obstacles to overcome. For sure. So the next one is treatment as an investment, not a cost. That's something I think we've talked before about on this podcast, Uh, this whole idea of return on investment in safety, also uh, called ROS lately, uh, return on safety, Mm -hmm. and how safety is just often seen as a cost center. You know, you got to pay for training. you got to pay if there's an incident. You know, you have to fund the appropriate number of investigations and, you know, inspections in order to meet your compliance requirements. But in fact, safety has a huge impact on the bottom line. Absolutely. And it can, you know, reduce costs as well as be a cost center. Yeah, a lot of the times that sort of gets lost in the mix. It does. (laughs) Lost in translation for sure. The next one on the list was integration into continuous process improvement. And we talk about continuous improvement a lot. So this wasn't really a surprising one to hear it come up over and over again. Yeah. So in conjunction with continuous improvement, that brings up an interesting point. I really enjoyed Billy Powell from Smith & Nephew's Enhanced Safety Pyramid. So most of us are probably fairly familiar with the safety pyramid, the traditional one that outlines the levels of failure from unsafe acts all the way up to fatalities. But what Billy did was interesting. He sort of went beyond the tip of the iceberg, so to speak, and showed what's possible below the surface, which is control. So you have your tip of the iceberg that follows the traditional model outlining the failure hierarchy in relation to severity. And somewhere around the middle, you have the waterline, or as Billy calls it, ground level. This ground level is where you find your cause. This is the stage right before near misses where 
there was potentially at-risk behavior that if identified, we can get to what's below the surface and what the bulk of EHS aims to achieve, which is preventing or controlling behaviors, processes, attitudes, values, and so on to proactively mitigate failures before they happen. Yeah, I think uh, this was a different way, in a sense, for us to look at leading and lagging indicators again. The traditional safety pyramid mostly focuses on those lagging indicators, the incidents, uh, the recordable injuries and that stuff. But what I hope we're we're sort of moving towards and what we're more focused on is being able to control using uh, leading indicators and really looking at trends and what we can do ahead of time, uh, what we can learn, and in order to implement that kind of continuous improvement model that you were talking about. Definitely. So next on the list, we have training and information for all. So this is obviously an important one. And I think it's important here to remember to have different kinds of training for different kinds of people so they can receive and digest the information in a way that works for them. Um, Also understanding why safety is important to the organization is important, but more so understanding for people why safety is important to themselves. Mm-hmm. Well, and people don't do anything unless there's something in it for them, right? And as obvious as it should be that your safety should mean something to you, for some people, uh, they don't see it that way, right? They see it more as uh, something that's getting in the way of them doing their jobs. Or a mandate. Unfortunately, yeah. Yes. And we have the blame-free work environment. (laughs) An external for some organizations can be predisposed cultures around fear of reporting. The key here is that employees need to feel supported, not blamed when safety incidents occur. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, too, uh, that's something that we talk about sometimes, that when you have a culture that is so focused on uh, being incident-free, for example, people might actually, in fact, be worried to report incidents because they feel like they're going to disrupt that status quo where people are so excited to say, you know, 300 days without an incident. Absolutely. You don't want to scare people off from, in fact, reporting on what's actually going on. Yes. And those incidents can be treated as development and growth opportunities for individuals and for the organization to learn and, like we said, control and get better. Absolutely. And then the last one is, of course, celebrating success. So it's really important to celebrate when something great does happen and when things go right because... Again, people just like feeling good about what they're doing. We heard a lot of those success stories at the conference, too, which is something I really enjoyed. Was uh, mm-hmm. We had a lot of people, a lot of EHS managers, safety professionals, just talking about what their challenges had been and how they overcame them. And that's, you know, it's best practices. It's great for everyone in the room who's listening and learning. But it's also just a great chance for them, too, I think, to tell, you know, their success story and mm-hmm. celebrate, you know, what they've been able to accomplish. And it was really awesome to see the kinds of ideas that people had come up with and the kinds of things that they did accomplished. Yeah, and you could really see those resonate in the rooms. For sure. So actually, in one presentation that I was sitting in on, uh, I was listening to an EHS operations director. He was breaking down the elements of his safety program into two different buckets, and that was the difference between technical processes and people processes. And that's kind of getting back to what you were talking about, Danielle, about there being a big part of this that isn't just the processes, the technical stuff. It's the soft skills, perhaps, in, in some cases. So technical stuff is, you know, things like safety policies, rules and procedures, safety meetings and training. That stuff's all really important. But the people processes, that's things like, you know, emotion and empathy, employee engagement, making sure your employees feel empowered. And I found it really interesting because I think it can be hard for us to focus on these softer skills or activities or just general sentiments at a company because they're hard to measure. Uh, And people tend to go to them as an afterthought, but then they spend the most time and resources on technical processes. So the presenter was actually, you know, sort of calling this out as an important balancing act we all need to be striking in safety between mind and heart. 
So I thought that was kind of an interesting. Uh, I remember way to look seeing at it. Uh, bits of that presentation. I liked the balance between the head and the heart. That was cute. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And it kind of brings us full circle about how it's important to connect an employee's heart and mind in order to achieve that buy-in that we talked about in the beginning that leads to safety success. For sure, and I think uh, it provoked a lot of really good conversations in that room as well. So if these sound like conversations that you'd like to be a part of, registration for our 2016 conference is already available. You can find a link to that in the resources section of this podcast. And I think that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us again next week. And in the meantime, have a safe week, everyone.